So there's a book called The Five Regrets of Dying. It's an amazing book. And the number one regret was, I wish I had the courage to live my life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And I, that's the number one regret of the dying. And I want people to, to hear that. Are you living the life true to yourself? Are you the life because others expected you to live this life and you're still making those decisions out of that paradigm? So that's my, that's my challenge is how do you, and maybe when you sit in the science for 20 minutes, that comes up. You know what? I don't have any addictions. I don't have it, but we know what? I'm still living a life that my father told me to live. That's what I'm saying is challenge that. And then ask yourself, what makes my heart sing? What brings me, makes me come alive? And start to do more of that now. Start to figure out how you can do more of that now. And if that's maybe getting out of your comfort zone to hire a coach or get out there and start running every day, do something that gets you towards that place of purpose. We need to look at today. What are you going to do from today for the rest of your life, the time you have here? And don't live the life someone else told you how to live or have some type of paradigm that someone else created for you. That's Jesse Harless, and I'm Brian Falchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Will you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned? I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers. Welcome to another episode of the Do A Day podcast. I have an amazing person on today. His name is Jesse Harless. I was really lucky in that I actually got to hear Jesse speak live in person at the Shattering the Stigma event in 2019 that my friend and past guest on the show, Mark Crandall, hosted. Jesse totally floored me with his talk and stuck a bug in my head about cold showers, and we're going to get into that. Uh, it's a guy who lives in the Northeast and takes a cold shower every day. And uh, if you've lived in the Northeast, you know, the summers are warm, but it is not warm much of the year. So that's a, that's a bold thing in and of itself. But he's not just a guy who takes cold showers. Jesse is an entrepreneur, and he is in long-term recovery. So he was an addict. He danced with going to prison. Um, we get into all of that. And it comes from his backstory, things he experienced growing up, and the pattern that that set off until he really gave himself to change, fully gave himself to that process of change. And the things that he learned in that experience, he's now pulled in. It's part of his work. It's part of his life. It's part of what he helps other people do. And he's embraced it so fully, you'll hear the passion in how he talks. Now, I have to say, we jumped into this interview um, well, we, you know, because we know each other, we, we started talking and then I realized like, oh, hang on, we got to stop and start the interview. And we had eaten up like 20 minutes of the time we had scheduled. So we get into the interview, we get rolling and then, um, we sort of not cut it off, but, um, I feel like there's a part two needed here for that, that specific reason, because we ran out of time. Um, but you're going to get something from Jesse. Awesome guy. Really, um, really strong like profound strong kind of backstory and you think about living through what he lived through and then you think about what he's doing today um how clear he is how dedicated he is it's awesome he's also written a book called smash your anxiety with cold showers 
We talk about that too, the cold shower theme again. Um, but amazing human being, really inspiring conversation. Let's jump into this episode with Jesse Harless. Jesse Harless, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks, Brian. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been since I think it was March of 2019 when we got to share a stage together. And, um, you know, just through Mark Crandall, I knew a little bit of, of you and your story, but not, not really what I ended up getting from backstage hearing you out there talking and uh, hitting on your story and then the cold shower thing, which I'm super intrigued about. So I was, it took too long to get you on, but you're on. And we're, we're going to be happy about that. So I'm happy you're here, but thank you uh, for making some time. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited. I'm excited to jump in and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. Um, give people just like the, the high level of, of what you're doing these days and then we'll build back from what got you to that point and the, the struggle you've been through and what you've learned in that journey. Yeah. I mean, what I'm doing today is I have a training company. It's called Entrepreneurs of Recovery. Uh, facilitation and training. And um, really what I do today is I, I train leader facilitators on how to go out and bring some of uh, these five workshops I designed into treatment centers or into structured sober living or really into any impact group. It could be a nonprofit. And how to bring a group of people, a group of individuals through rapid change, through conversational choreography. And so people probably ask, well, what does that mean? I was so, just going to say, what does that mean? Yeah, what, is that, what does that mean? So the simplest way to tell you is there's a certain methodology that if you take people through a certain process, they're going to engage in an experience. And then when they ex reflect on that experience, they're actually going to remember what they experienced. So in other words, if you're in front of a group of people, how do you bring that group of people through some type of content that you have that you want them to experience, but leave that meeting and actually do what you actually propose them to do? Yeah. How do you do that? And that's what my workshops, that's what I train in my, my workshops and my training. And each of the workshops are custom to some type of outcome. So because my heart is in addiction recovery and helping people thrive in that space, I've designed them so that they fit really nice in that space. But there's now companies that are coming to me and saying, can you bring this to my employees so we can increase employee engagement so that the employees can be, the employees can be more resilient, mm. so that the employees can build a self-care routine? Because that's what we do. One of the workshops is called Radical Self-Care. And when the outcome of that group is building your own self-care uh, routine, but we do it with the community of people in the room first. We pull out the strengths of the community in the room and we actually pull out what are their self-care practices now even if it's just one and we put them out we see them we throw them on flip charts we see these self-care strategies and stories behind the strategies like how do you take care of your health today maybe there's things you need to start maybe there's things you need to stop and there's things that you need to continue that are good for your health and we look at that as a community whether it's a workplace or whether it's a structured sober living home and then what we do is by the end we have this outcome of here is your self-care routine. Mm. Let's share it. And it's shared with that group or that community. So we do that. That's just one workshop. So each of the workshops have some type of outcome that helps humans thrive. But I particularly love bringing this to addiction recovery because I truly believe people who are recovering from addiction, I, I believe truly in my heart that we're all recovering from something. Yeah. But the people who are in these particular settings are recovering from typically from drugs, alcohol, food addiction, sex addiction, many different things. But 
you know, if you can help them, you know, acknowledge what they're doing great today. What are they doing that's great today? What's, what are your strengths? You know, what are those things? What are your visions for the future? And acknowledge that even if they don't have one, we can help to work on in that group and then have some of outcome of a self-care routine of, um, building, you know, uh, finding meaningful work, you know, doing things that build resilience because we're already resilient, but how do we really step into that, you know, that resilience and tapping into strength. So each of the workshops have, have the outcome. So I train people in the workshops and sometimes it's, I train people who are entrepreneurs. Sometimes I train people who are entrepreneurs in recovery. Sometimes I just, I train anyone who really is called to the work. I'm, I'm uh, thinking about some of the drivers of the behaviors that are less helpful to us. And I'm curious if you see any themes like mindlessness, you know, we just sort of like without thinking, keep doing the things like maybe it's not the more extreme things like drugs and alcohol and sex addiction and food, maybe food. Um, but you know, people who it, it's their phone or it's the TV or it's the whatever. But then the other side of that is the mindlessness. So not, not wanting to engage in the tougher stuff or the facing things. So we mindlessly go to those sort of dopamine hits right here, right now that aren't helping us progress. Yeah. We, we all do that. Right. I yeah. mean, that's what we do. We, we're in a, we're in an age of, of, of the smartphone, you know, and it's been a few years of that. And people now, you know, if they have a question or if they're, if they're feeling uncomfortable, if they're walking towards someone and they're like, Oh, I don't want to engage in this person. They look at their phone and they go to the Instagram or they go to the Facebook and they get the hits of dopamine instead of engaging in the human interaction. So we're kind of losing out, even though we've gained all this connection, access to millions on the phone, we're losing out on the actual human connection. And I think it's, you know, I've, I'm guilty of it too. I'm, I'm saying this because I'm guilty of it too, because those uncomfortable feelings of just even just a conversation with someone that we don't know, or just yeah. sending gratitude, it's just easier to go to your phone, you know, and just be distracted and, and distract ourselves from human connection. And, you know, there's, yeah. So I think, I think being mindful of like, Hey, just keeping your head up when you're walking and, you know, instead of looking down and because we we become so accustomed to looking down now, you yeah. know, because. I used to look down when I was, you know, younger because I had self-esteem issues. Like, and that's how I, that's how I walked around. I would always be looking down and looking down. And now I look down because of my phone. So it's like, I'm going to the same behaviors and that. So, you know, to be more mindful of like, Hey, you know, bring your shoulders up a little bit. And, and, and when you're walking, look straight, you know, stop looking down so much because when you're, I was just told recently, when you look straight, you're looking, you're focusing more on the future. When you're looking down, you're thinking more of the past. Yeah, so I'm thinking, true. you know, to start to practice that of like, when you're walking, have your head up more. And I think the phones are so tough because they're in our pockets and we just keep touching them and we keep like, you know, it's like uh, ringxiety or whatever it's called now when you, you, you thought your phone was ringing, it's not really ringing. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's become so ingrained in our culture, yeah. but just being mindful. And uh, of course, there's many ways to do that. Yeah. Um, all right. You, you mentioned your past a little bit. You mentioned, uh, self-esteem, self-confidence, um, take us back. So what, there's a reason why you're focused on what you're focused on and, and you certainly, uh, went through the journey to get yourself there. So walk us through that. What's, what's the backstory here? Yeah. I mean, the backstory is, 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 di- is addiction and trauma. So like the backstory is, and you know, what's funny, even in the first podcast I've ever, I ever, I ever was on, I never said that. I never said in trauma, I would just say addiction. 
But the reality is, is it's so easy to look over the trauma because we just take our trauma and we just, we displace it because we look at other, we don't even call it trauma. Mm-hmm. We don't look at like, oh, my father left at four years old as trauma because our family didn't acknowledge it as that. It was just yeah. like, get over it. happened. You're tough now. You, you're, you're, you're fine. Right. No, that's not how it works, especially at four or five or seven. Those are critical ages of development and really when we're most vulnerable to that abandonment fear. Yeah. So, you know, that's what happened in my life. So my father left at four. He was an alcoholic. And um, so when he left, things got really stressful and, you know, eventually what happened is just to speed it up when I was 12 and 11, 11, 12, probably 12 years old, I, you know, experienced some, some other things that happened, a father figure left and, um, that came into my life. And then my best friend moved away. And then what happened is I started to isolate into internet, uh, pornography and internet games. And this is like 97, you know, so yeah, this is early still early day, days. And, you know, so I really dove into that world and from like 12 to 18, I really engaged on a daily basis. So high school was very difficult for me. I had tremendous social anxiety. I avoid eating at the cafeteria in high school. I literally avoided the cafeteria because of the social anxiety was so real and so crippling. It would actually, I could feel it in my physical body. My physical body would have like, like this sweating and shaking sensation of a panic attack just by going to cafeteria. So I'd stop going. And so you know, I never asked for help. You know, that was the biggest problem. I never asked for help. I kept it in. I isolated on the computer, you know, when I get back from school and, you know, I did play sports in like the first two years, but then I just quit all the sports. And, mm-hmm. you know, so that's where like these, these traumas and addictions started. And then eventually when I went to college, it opened up Pandora's box of addiction because I got there and I was now away from the city. I was up in the mountains and I was just like, what's there to do here? And it was like, oh, there's alcohol, there's drugs. I mean, of course there was classes and learning, but I was like, I got really, I had this uh, reaction to alcohol and, and drugs that like, wow, this is just cool. And I want to keep doing this, but it wasn't all, uh, uh, so much a conscious decision. It was just kind of like, this is the way I'm supposed to feel. Mm. And, and then of course the jackpot started happening. I failed out of college. I hit every jackpot in college. I got arrested in college. I failed all my classes in college. I got caught for plagiarism in college. I hit all the jackpots that first semester. Right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. So I really like the signposts were there. Of course, we lie and manipulate. You know, we're trying to protect our addiction. You know, I just said, well, college was tough. I took too many credits, all these excuses. When the truth was I was just drinking and getting high. And so, you know, I flunked out of school. And then I, I, I eventually attracted the people that were just like me trying to escape and numb. And so I found people who were doing a little bit harder drugs. And eventually my father passed away a year after I graduated college. And I, I've so only talked can to I stop? I was just going to ask, did you stay connected with him? No. So when he left at four years old, he was in a car accident and put him in a coma for 22 days. He was actually pronounced dead. And he came back out of the coma with brain damage. So uh, I never got to have a relationship with him ever again. Yeah. After. So we talked, I think, maybe on the phone two or three times total from five to age 20. Wow. And I don't remember the conversations because he wasn't there. Yeah. He wasn't able to be present. So, you know, at 20 when he died, you know, you think like, well, he wasn't in my life. He wasn't even living with me. That shouldn't affect me. But it, it, like some type of trauma ignited in my body, in my mind, and I just let loose. And that's when I really... You know, that's when I did cocaine for the first time. Literally the day he died, I did cocaine for the first time. And that was one of his drugs of choice besides alcohol. Mm. And it's so interesting that I took that path. Yeah. I can't even say it was a path I was trying to avoid because I had no direction at that time. 
And so at 20 years old, I found myself, 20 years old, I found myself using, you know, cocaine and heroin and oxycontin and alcohol. And, and next thing you know, like the next two years were just, you know, and the craziest part is I actually had a job, I lost a job and then I got another job. So I was, I was that functioning, I don't like this term, but functioning addict and alcoholic that you hear. And how many people today are in that spot? In fact, I just saw a statistic. 75% 75% of people who are addicted are employed full-time. Oh. 75% of people who are addicted are employed full-time. Yeah. So that is a very interesting statistic. That means most of the people that could be working for your company, but I mean most, I mean there's a percentage of your company that has people who are struggling silently. Yeah. They're not coming out because of stigma. Yeah. And so, you know, so the bring to bring awareness into the workplace about this is really huge. But that's where my that's where this stuff really started for me. And then at 22, of course, you know, the I was arrested. You know, this this thing went down. I was arrested with federal felonies, very serious. And that was the awakening for me. I kind of woke up. Um, you know, I didn't have to wake up. It could have easily been like, hey, I'm going to mess around. But it was so traumatic what happened that I was like wow, like I was facing seven years in federal prison. It was very all of a sudden and it's coming, right? This follows you. These choices follow you. And so eventually it caught up to me. And um, at 22, uh, that's when I started to change literally everything. I literally changed my personality in a lot of ways. Do you think there's a piece of you that was like subconsciously ready for that change or looking for it? Like, I'm really curious about this people who they get caught for, you know, and whatever caught means and whatever their story is. And you look, you start to look back and it's like, were they actually kind of hoping to get caught or like a piece of them knew I need something to stop this. And it's, it's gotta be more, it's gotta be stronger than I am right now. Maybe not. I'm just curious. I was in a bad bad place. I was in a state. I was in a hopeless state of like, it's over. Like, I'm either going to die or something's going to happen, but it wasn't on a place of like, I was ready to change. No. In fact, when I, <laughs> there's like a whole bunch of this story that I'll spare, but the bottom line is I went to Florida to escape, quote unquote, my addiction to do the geographical cure right into the heart and center of the pill mills yeah. in 2005, trying to stop an addiction, went right into the, 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 the capital. And so when I started to do that, um, I lasted 10 months in Florida. I, I don't know. I, I almost died once. I don't know how I didn't die down there. And then when I came back, I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to get my life together. And like I used within three days, like I was yeah. doomed, had no plan. But what happened is the law came <laughs> two weeks later and arrested me. So I had no plans on changing. Mm-hmm. There was no plan. There was, to me, it was like, this is the cards I was dealt. This is the path I'm going down. And that's that. It wasn't even conscious. It was just addiction. I was so in it. I couldn't see the other side. I, you know, when I woke up in the morning and I got one hour of sleep and I'm in the car and I'm just a miserable person. And I'm looking to the left of me. I see people smiling and laughing and drinking coffee in the car. I'm like, how do they live? Like, I don't even know how to do that mm-hmm. to just be a human being. And that's that's that place I was at. I was a place of complete desperation. So, getting the getting the wake up call was 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 life changing in many ways to wake me up. Yeah, and I mean, look, I've never been in prison, so I don't know. But what I hear is that access to the addictive, like you don't have to quit. If you want to keep using, you can keep using, but you did. So what? Yeah, I never went to prison. So what happened is that there was a lot of pressure on me. There was a lot of time hanging over my head. And what I did is I started to change all my habits. I turned my life over to 
a power greater than myself 100%. That's the best way I can explain it. So when that happened at 22, I was facing so much time and my family was in so much distress because we affect everyone. Addiction yeah. affects the person around us. And so they didn't know though, right? My family, I hid my addiction. So when it came to the forefront, like it did, you know, I saw the pain in their eyes. I saw the pain in my own eyes and I'm like, I got to change everything. So what happened is like literally the first month, I got a drug and alcohol counselor who's literally was a lifesaver. Um, and I saw her for seven years after that. But I got a drug and alcohol counselor, Bonnie. I, got, I met my first mentor, Pastor Bob, who actually would mentor me every single week. So I had a therapist every week. I had a, a mentor every week I could talk to. I had a recovery group that I was required to go to. I had books I was reading. I started a, um, I started a morning routine. I started to do all these habits. I started journaling every single day. Mm. I would journal every single day. And all these habits, and I started to use a calendar every day because I had to. I had to like check in the court, urine analysis. So I had this calendar system. And I still have these calendars. I saved all my journals and calendars to look back and remind myself that these habits that we do, they can literally change your life. And in someone, you could share one of these habits with someone else and that one habit could change their life. And so a habit such as journaling was such a game changer. And I didn't even know that. So my mentor told me, you need to journal your journey. Start journaling mm. this journey. And, I, and, and so I would meet this mentor and he would tell me things like, you have strengths. One of your strengths is discernment, which is intuition. Mm -hmm. And today, 22, and today, like I know for sure, 100%, intuition is something that I care about the most. Mm. And so- so it's so interesting at 22, I would have this mentor to tell me that one month in, in, into my recovery. And so that's what changed. Like all my habits started to change. All my people I surrounded myself started to change. My environment changed. And so I just kept doing the next right thing every day. And eventually what happened is I didn't go to jail. You know, I kept the felonies. I did the probation, but I never had to go to jail. I had my full-time job back. I was going to the recovery meetings. I was connecting to the mentor. I was connecting to the therapist. And these things over and over and over and over again, the repetition of this, it, it started to change the paradigm of my thinking. Mm. It started to show me like, wow, like life can be good. Now I still suffer from depression and panic attacks and all this stuff happening because just because you stop putting down a substance, all the original traumas come back. All the original stuff that you didn't deal with comes back. But it's beautiful because then you can deal with it. Wow. So you, you, you were talking about these things that changed as they changed. But it's not them. It's you, right? Like the, the daily habits that you, that you did changed. But that's you making those changes. The people you're talking to, all that it does come back to you. Did you see it that way? I mean, I know today you, you definitely would understand that, but at the time, did you feel an active choice behind the things you were doing? No, no, not at all. I, it took years before I even recognized this. To be honest, I didn't recognize all the habits I was doing until about 2015. It wow. took that many years for me to recognize, 10 years it took me to recognize those habits I did every day with a determining factor for all the success I would have over that 10 year span of my recovery, such as I went back to school and I completed my undergrad in psychology. I bought my first home when I was six years sober. At, at, at 11 years sober, I graduated with my master's. You know, like, so I had to look back and yeah. say, wow. And I got a job with a 1415 company as a felon. So I defied all the odds. I defied the things that they told me I could. They said, you can't do this, you can't yeah. do that. And I did them. 
So I had to look back though and ask myself, how did it all happen? And it really started with these choices to engage in the habits daily, which habits done over time becomes unconscious. Yeah. And it's that unconscious habits that, that are the good habits that we're doing, we take for granted. And it's also the unconscious habits that we're not aware of that could be hurting us. So yeah. just, that is really, I wasn't aware. No, I wasn't aware that those were helping me. And it was because you didn't really have a choice because it was put upon you when you were caught that you, you brought them in. But I mean, what, what I'm wondering about is for the people who aren't, who, you know, who haven't had that wake up or haven't had someone else make the decision for them because decision making had been taken away. How do we do that? Because mindlessness is the path mo many of us live day to day. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to go with it. You don't have to have what happened to me to be able to get the wake up call. Yeah. The wake up call is just stay, stay with yourself for 20 minutes in silence. Mm. That's the wake up call. If you can't sit with yourself for 20 minutes in silence, there's, there's something you might want to look into because you might have things going on that will come to the surface in that silence that those are the things you want to address. Build a safe, build a team of people around you. Start with one person. Yeah. You can share that stuff that came up in that 20 minutes with. I call it the recovery team. Some people call it people who nurture you or your safe people. Like I call it the recovery team. It doesn't matter if you're in recovery from addiction. We're all recovering from something. So just your recovery team. It's these three to five people that you can call when this stuff comes up. Like, man, maybe I am drinking too much wine every night. Man, maybe I am actually engaging in behaviors that don't serve my family. Maybe I'm doing, maybe I'm not living up to my potential and I know it. So these are the things that are going to come up during that time of silence. And then you can start to go out from there and say, who can help me? It's not the how, right? It's the who. Who can help me to, that I can stay accountable to, that I can talk to, that are safe, that won't judge me, that I can then go off from there and they can maybe give me a suggestion. And so, you know, that's what I'd recommend doing. That's what I had early on. I had that recovery team my first month. Like, what a gift. And so, but sit in silence for a while. That's really the ultimate indicator. Your body will tell you what's going on. Yeah. Your mind will definitely say a lot of crazy things to you, but, you, but your body, that intelligence will tell you, kind of check in what's going on. Yeah. And I think some people are probably scared to do that, that silence sure. with themselves. Um, yeah. And, and, and it's not just people facing addictions, really in anything is uh, all these things we're doing, phone, TV, substance, whatever, they're pulling you away from having to face whatever it is you actually need to face. And unless you do that, you'll continue to have to be pulled away, which can lead down some paths you're not going to be happy about ultimately. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the good news is there's hope. There's yeah. hope. Yeah. You just have to be willing to, I, I, I think there is that, like, it can't just be put upon you. There's a point where you have to be willing to at least take that first, that 20 minute moment you're talking about and just allow it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I want to share with you, I'm sure you, there's a there's a great book and it talks about, you know, the five regrets of dying. Have you heard of that book? No. So there's a book called The Five Regrets of Dying. It's an amazing book. And it's a book about, you know, I, I'll just tell you what, what the number one regret was from, from the dying in this book. And the number one regret was, I wish I had the courage to live my life, to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. And I, that's the number one regret of the dying. And, it, and, and I want people to, on this podcast to hear that. You know, are you living the life true to yourself? Mm. Are you the life because others expected you 
to live this life and you're still making those decisions out of that paradigm. So that's my, that's my challenge is how do you, and maybe when you sit in the science for 20 minutes, that comes up, you know what? I don't have any addictions. I don't have it, but we know what? I'm still living a life that my father told me to live because he was a lawyer and now I'm a lawyer. That's what I'm saying is challenge that. And then ask yourself, what makes my heart sing? What brings me, makes me come alive and start to do more of that now. Start yeah. to figure out how you can do more of that now. And if that's maybe getting out of your comfort zone to hire a coach or get out there and start running every day, do something that gets you towards that place of purpose. And so I wanted just to share that because I, I have that a lot with even the people I coach. You know, they're 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 literally living out of of conversations and stories that they had 10 years ago with their parents, like yeah. 45 years old. I mean, you need to, we need to look at today. What are you going to do from today for the rest of your life, the time you have here? And don't live the life someone else told you how to live or have some type of paradigm that someone else created for you. And so that's, I don't even know how I got to that, but. No, I love it though. I'm glad you did. I, Jesse, we, we messed up because we, we talked for, I don't know, close to 20 minutes before starting the show and we both have uh we both have stops in about 10 I, can i can i ask you to come back on i haven't had someone do a second appearance but i feel like we're barely scratching the surface and i do need you to hit on the cold shower thing like we got to get into that at least but we, yeah. can, can i can i publicly put you on on record as saying like yeah you'll you'll come back and and get into some more of this yeah absolutely. all right cool all right so the showers you get you gotta you gotta tell us about the cold shower thing Okay, so the quick, the high-level story of the cold showers is this. Ten years into my recovery from drugs and alcohol addiction, behavioral addictions, I, I had a friend. This is the, the short version. I had a friend come over to my house in December. I'm in New Hampshire. It's 38 degrees out. He comes over to my house at 5, 4.35 o'clock at night, and he goes, hey, you need to start taking cold showers every day. I'm like, what are you talking about? No, I, it, there was no even, there was not even a conversation before. He didn't preface it. It, it just came out. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. It's 30. I'm no. And he's like, no, you don't understand. You got to do the research, look into this a little bit. I'm like, no, I don't think so. And my roommate at the time, he actually ran upstairs, turned the shower all the way cold. And he goes, I'm going to do it right now. And I'm like, why? This is all right. I'm going to do it. That I'm not going to be showing up in my own house. Yeah. So I ran into my bathroom, turned the shower all the way cold, which I don't recommend for your first time in New Hampshire. Freeze <laughs> up. And that, I turned. That's warm in, for December. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was so nice. Yeah. And jumped into a straight cold shower. It was miserable. It hit me in the face. I didn't even know how to do it. It hit me in the face, hit me in the head. I lost my breath. Gasping. But I stayed in. I was gasoline. So I stayed in there for five minutes. I came out. And here's the thing: is two hours later, I went to a meeting. And when I went to that meeting. There's something that still lived with me for the whole 10 years of my recovery is social anxiety. Yeah. And I'm not talking normal social anxiety. I'm talking about that physical social anxiety I had in high school. Yeah. I still had it. And I had been on medication for anxiety for seven years that I was off at that time, but I still had it and I didn't want to tell anyone. And so I would sit in, I sat in that meeting and you know what happened? You know what was going on? There was no anxiety. And I said, what is going on? Like I had studied psychology, had the degrees and so I was like, what is going on? And I don't have the anxiety. How could it have been just from that cold shower? So I said, let me go ahead and just start taking these showers for 30 days. In 30 days, I did the straight cold shower for the next 30 days. Now you don't have to go straight cold. I know that's, that's extreme for some people. You can easily start at warm and then end it cold. And now a lot of people go, oh, I do that already. Well, great. If you're doing for 30 seconds, step it to two minutes cold. Okay. So 
So, so I, I was doing the straight cold shower and what happened is I started to become more confident. I started to become, I started to have less anxiety. That was yeah. for sure. I started to engage in, in, in things that were outside of my comfort zone, even more than I was doing like way more. And that's why I called the book smash your comfort zone. Yeah. I was just going to call the book. I literally just going to call it smash your comfort zone. But someone was like, we don't even know what that means. So you got to add the cold shower. So smash your comfort zone with cold showers is the name of the book because I was smashing my comfort zone every day. I was helping to relieve this anxiety hat that I had. And you know what? I just never stopped. I ended up winning the highest award at my company, a job I wasn't even supposed to get technically because I was a felon. And I got the job. I won the highest award possible. I went to Switzerland with the president and vice president of Verizon. And I was taking cold showers in Switzerland, straight cold. So like, I just kept them going. And eventually, two years later, someone said, why don't you write a book about it? Because I've never heard anyone talk about it, about anxiety. And you know what's funny? My book only scratches the surface on the anxiety piece because I wanted it to be a quick read for people. I didn't want – people can Google cold showers and get mixed messages about it. I just want to synthesize all the data I could into my book and just be like, you know what? I'm going to interview someone who's like an expert in the cold water and on water in general. I'm going to do my research. I'm going to talk to people. And I came out with the book. So sorry, I said that was gonna be high level, but that's as high level as I could tell it. No, it's awesome. <laughs> um, I, I think it's super intriguing. Um, and there's, it's actually, it's a theme that's been getting more attention lately is like Wim Hof, the Iceman, like gets more recognition and, you know, he's, he's out there sharing his message a lot. Like I hear people talking about this more and more. Um, it is really intriguing. And I think a lot of people are curious and scared and so they don't turn that dial. But I love your point is like, you can start with, it doesn't have to be the whole thing. Make it an adjustment. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, we're, we're both vegan. Like that moment where you make that shift is like, for some people, it's just too much to face all at once. Okay, well, maybe make one meal or, you know, just, just try it for a day or like whatever. Pro you don't have to do everything for the rest of your life all at once right now. Exactly. It's one small change, one small habit. Just do one thing, you know, journal for, if you're like, I don't journal, I don't got time for that. Do two minutes, you know, and, that, and that's it. It's like, oh no, I'm never going to do a cold shower. We'll do it for 30 seconds at yeah. the end of your shower. It's like, there's so many things that we just say, no, I'm not going to do that. We dismiss it. But the thing is, it's just, just even doing 10 seconds of cold water at the end of your shower will wake you up. It will prime you. And you're like, whoa, I kind of like that. And you're going to dress, get your clothes on. You'd be like, you'll definitely be a pep in your step. Yeah. And so that's what I mean. Like it's the little shifts, those two degree shifts, right? That make the biggest changes a lot of times. Yeah. All right. So if, if I'm going to do this and not just look at the dial, but actually do this, what, what do you say to start 30 seconds? Is that, is that the number or it doesn't even have to be, is there an amount that's like a bare minimum? No, I mean, you, what I would do, especially women, like, cause women need to wash their hair and like, I'm not washing my hair with cold water. I'm like, okay, I get it. Wash your hair with the warm water. But at the same time, um, I do know women who do straight the cold, straight sure. cold shower. Yeah. But, but like, if that's the argument, that's fine. Like, go ahead, take your warm shower, wash your hair. Like, I wash up with cold water, but it is true. I do shave my head yeah. with warmer water, but I do that in the sink. I don't yeah, do this. Yeah. So, um, just start out with your normal shower. And then at the end, what I want you to do is I want you to not think about what's about to happen. It's going to be so awful and yes, terrible. That's exactly to, the mindset. Yeah. I want you to think about what is your greatest vision for your life? I want you to think about what is the vision for my life? Maybe it's to raise my daughter so that she is 
becomes a successful person, whatever it is, think about the vision for your life. And then I want you to say an affirmation right before you, you turn that water cold. I want you to say an affirmation. I want you to say like, I'm abundant. I am safe. I am secure. And then I want you to turn that dial all the way cold. And I only want you to do it for at, at first for just 20 seconds. And, and don't even count. Just turn it and just let the water hit you, but don't let it hit you in the face. I want you to turn that shower and I want to let I want you to let it hit you. Just let it hit the back of your legs first if you want, or the top of your shoulders or whatever. And then I want you to go ahead and get your whole body wet first. And then I want you to eventually step back a little bit, let it hit your front of your legs, and then go. I'm abundant. I'm safe. I'm secure. And then let it and then go. Let it hit your face. Let it hit your head. And then shut it off. That's it. That's the first one. I just want you to do that one first. And then you're going to realize you're going to be like, wow, I feel good. I feel, I, you know, it primed me because that's the science of cold water, right? That what it does in the sympathetic nervous system. So all you have to do is do that. And then from there, I want you to do that every day and then gradually work your way up to, hey, let me try that last part for 30 seconds in a minute. And if you ever wanted to try a straight cold shower, try it. Maybe you're having a day where it is the most difficult day. You have a job interview at the end of the day. You got to meet with your boss. You got this big project on the line. Do it. Do the cold shower straight cold. Turn it. Do two minutes. Jump in. Get your, you don't have to wash yourself. If you, you know, to, you're already taking a shower in the, in the morning. Maybe this is an afternoon cold shower. Little pep in your step. Do that and come out. Let me know how you feel because it's really about listening to the body and how you feel. And for me, this serves me. Will it serve me six years from now? I don't know. I know yeah, today it's relevant right now. Oh, it's yeah. what serves today in the last four years. And I live in a, I live in a colder, you know, I live in the Northeast, so it is colder here. So my showers are truly colder and that's helpful because some people live in the South and it's, they can't even get the, the showers. Right 65 now. degrees or something. Yeah. I talk to people who live in these warm climates and they still do the cold showers as cold as they can because of the mindset, because of the resilience factor, you know? That's what I was going to ask you is even if you're, if you're doing the full on in the two minutes, they should still be doing the affirmation, right? Cause it's about tying the two together. It's not just mindlessly taking a shower that happens to be cold. It's the full, yeah. it's a full experience, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that's what I'm saying. Like, don't skip out on listening to or listening or reading my book too, because I don't just say jump in the cold shower. You're a macho man. Masculinity is the way to go. No, in fact, we need more feminine energy in this world. It's like we need to go the opposite way. So, but the one of the ways that you can do is like even in the book, I say, like, go ahead and have some affirmations that you say. Like I say in the book, like you want to have affirmations. This is a lifestyle. Yeah. You know, this lifestyle choice. This isn't just one thing I do. It, it, it ties into the rest of my day. It starts my day right. My day ends. I got the morning routine and I end the morning routine with the cold shower. So I yeah. dive into just bam, right into my day. And, you know, there's, 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 there's that piece of myself that doesn't feel complete unless I got that cold shower in. That's awesome. Um, all right. I do have your book. I still haven't read it yet because I have a pile of seven books that I'm still getting through. But here's the deal. I'm going to read it before we record the next episode because I want to have you back. I want to get into more of the specifics, but I want to dig into your story a bit deeper and and maybe some of the people that you've worked with that have been through that because it is a really important story. Um, and so much of our country is in the midst of exactly what you went through. Um, so I'd, I'd love to have you back on and to get into it again, if you're cool with that. But yeah, awesome. Um, and people can go to jesseharless.com. Is that the best place to get a hold of you? 
Um, I would say the best way to learn the work I'm doing today is recoveryfacilitation.com. If you want to know a little bit about, I mean, actually, my a little bit about me is on there, but recoveryfacilitation.com is where I'd recommend. jesseharless.com if you want to like see uh, a website made by me. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, Jesse, let me close things out until you come back next time. Uh, yes, sir. Today's a new day. Go out and do it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jesse. Hey, thanks, man. There we go. Jesse Harless. Was that not great? It's so much energy to him. There's a lot in his mind that he's trying to bring out for people. I want you to try this cold shower thing. You know, start with that uh, that 10, 20 seconds that he's talking about. Give it a shot. See what happens. Um, he lays it out in, I think, a, a less scary, more doable way than maybe the initial um, presumption in your head like I was thinking like make it cold and then like take a deep breath and jump into the shower and let it hit you and it's I think is a more humane way to do it um, but you notice it's not just about the cold showers it's this 10 20 second kind of start to a lot of things like start with journaling or start with the last 10 seconds of your shower like take little bites he's not saying you change everything immediately and just do it um, you, know, you think about it, you bring it in bit by bit, you acclimate yourself. There's no reason to shock yourself. You know, for someone who talks about self-care, shocking yourself isn't all that caring now, is it? So I, I love that component to how he talks about things. So thankful to have Jesse on. Of course, you know, check him out at recoveryfacilitation.com and jesseharless.com, as I mentioned. You can follow him on social media. Um, but yeah, have a look at Jesse think about picking up that book smash your anxiety with cold showers i will link to it in the show notes and you can also pick up my books do a day and the 50 75 100 solution i know you get the point of do a day because you're listening to this show so if you haven't read it you kind of should 50 75 100 my latest book oh, it's something i really truly believe everybody needs to read and that's not about selling the book. That is about the fact that we all have relationships that could go better. Whether it's our fault or someone else's or, you know, fault and blame or tough words, it's not even about that. It's just, even if they're okay, what if they were great? What if you could move them to better? There is literally not a human being on this planet who couldn't find some benefit in that. So my hope is that as many people read it as possible because the impact becomes exponential because it's not just helping the reader, it's helping everyone around them who they relate to. And that is a really beautiful thing. For me as the author, that gives me great satisfaction, great joy. If you read the book, you'll understand when I say, like, that's the happiness that I seek. So if you haven't picked it up yet, you can get to it at 5075100.com. It's five zero seven five one zero zero dot com. It's the numbers. Or if you go to brianfaltruck.com, just click on books and you can get access to do a day or to fifty seventy five one hundred. And if you want, if you want to get it in a signed paperback, both of them or just one, you can use the code F and F for friends and family as a friend and or family of mine by listening to this show. You can pick up a $4 savings 
on the signed copies of the book. You can get them individually or you can get the Empowerment Power Pack. There's a lot of puh sounds in that. Uh, you can get that and bring both books together to start to change your life, which is my goal for everybody. All right, I'm going to leave it there. Make sure you subscribe to the show. There's plenty more amazing episodes to come. And if you haven't listened to, I mentioned Mark Crandall at the beginning, you should go back and listen to Mark's episode. Uh, I think it was like the end, either the end of 2018 or the very beginning of 2019. It may have been the very beginning of 2019. It's amazing. And that is the human being I have to thank for introducing me to Jesse Harless, who's also an amazing person. Okay, everyone. I will see, well, I won't really see you next time, but I'll be thinking about you next time and you will hear me next time on the Do A Day podcast. Thanks so much. Make sure that you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Have a great day. Go out and do it.